Hello everyone, and welcome to this episode of Culture Pulse, a weekly review of cultural topics covering the spectrum between high and low brow. Culture Pulse features thoughtful discussions among friends on a diverse range of topics including film, literature, music, and politics, as well as those underexposed artifacts in our cultural landscape. If this is your first time joining the podcast, welcome. Uh, I hope you enjoy what you hear. We're going to be discussing the Oscars today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Is watching. The course of human history has changed today. The ship appears to be stopping over Johannesburg City. Welcome to Camp Victory. Camp Victory? This was Camp Liberty. Oh no, they changed that about a, a week ago. Victory sound better. I've tried to be a serious man. We're gonna be fine. I've tried to do right, be a member of the community. We're gonna be fine. Please, just tell him I need help. Please. We're gonna be fine. I need help. We're gonna be fine. My name is Clarice Precious Jones. You're a dummy. Don't nobody want you. Don't nobody need you. School ain't gonna help none. Take your ass down to the welfare. If I go to university, I'm going to read what I want and wear black. No, that shows you're a rebel. They don't want that at Oxford. No, they don't want people who can think for themselves. Oh, of course they don't. When we kiss. How was your evening? Best night of my life. Last year I flew 350,000 miles. I am a passenger. I work for a company that lends me out to cowards that don't have the courage to sack their own employees, and for good reason. Who are you, man? Bingo. Asians. assistance today sir no i could help you cross the street no i could help you cross your yard no i could help you cross your al you have any place to stay tonight don't you dare lie to me come on this is mine yes sir i've had one before what a room to yourself a bed are you going to protect the family, Michael? Yes, ma'am. You threaten my son. You threaten me. Nine, 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 nine. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Culture Pulse, this very special episode where we're going to be discussing the recent Oscar nominations. Hopefully this episode comes out before the Oscars so you can hear us talk about it. I'm joined right now by my lovely co-host, Dane Jackins. Oh, thank you. Hello, everyone. And we are joined by a very special guest, his first time on the show, a good friend of the show, Matthew Mayhews. Hi, everyone. Hey, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing good. So We're excited to be here. Good. Do you, do you know the topic for today? No. <laughs> <laughs> We've brought no, you totally... here to... Yeah, go ahead, Matt. The Oscars, of course, right? I mean, that's yes. cool. Academy Awards. What brings everyone together more than an Oscar discussion, <laughs> potentially four hours long? 
<laughs> we will go through every category, bit nomination by nomination. Yeah, there are no small roles when it comes to the Oscars, friends. <laughs> Just kidding. We'll probably be sticking to about five or six of the categories in this episode. Yeah, we'll try to creep a brief, keep to the big ones. Um, so maybe we should just jump in with both feet right now. Actually, you know what? I wanted to talk a little bit about this year's Oscars because there are some different um, rules. Chief among those is they're changing the Best Picture category from five uh, nominees to ten, which it hasn't been since, I think, well, it was early, early in the Oscar history. It was ten before, and now it's it was five for a very long time, and now it's returned to ten. And there are a number of speculations on the reasons for why they are doing that, um, particularly monetarily motivated, um, or I think one of the big reasons was last year a number of films, standout films like The Dark Knight and WALL-E weren't nominated for Best Picture, although they were probably, you know, of the caliber that the, the five movies that were nominated. So they wanted to expand it to include some of those movies that um, were good enough really to be matched up but maybe overlooked in earlier years. So <clears throat> I'll pass it on to you guys and get your thoughts on that uh, expansion of the Best Picture category. Well, the last time that there were 10 nominees uh, was back in the days when only 10 pictures came out per year. Uh, I'm just I'm just joking. But um, <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of it because, um, you know, it kind of it limits the prestige of... Uh, being an, an Academy Award nominated film. I mean, that's a selling point for a lot of movies is, you know, Academy Award nominated for Best Picture. Um, and now that there's 10 of them, you know, it's still an elite award. It's the it's the most sought after of American movie awards. Um, but it just makes it a little less, uh, you know, special. Yeah, I mean, I think the argument is that those other five movies are, I mean, they'll be trading on the prestige that comes with that best act best uh picture nominee i mean you're already seeing all of those the ads for any of those movies saying nominated for uh best picture so they're kind of tapping into that that yeah. ad campaign how about you matt what do you think i disagree with you guys actually <laughs> go on it's here um i think that um well in part i agree with you in the sense that it takes away from the prestige just because you're sort of diluting the worth of that of that particular uh, category by having more uh, nominees, but I think that by having more nominees, it allows you to get uh, obviously a much wider spectrum of film, and I think it gives um, films that wouldn't normally get a chance uh, to win that award uh, to have that chance to win. So, uh, movies that that I think are more on the forefront of of progressive uh, filmmaking, not just you know, a film by Scorsese, uh, Gus Van Sant, the Coen Brothers, and um, a James Cameron film. You know, just those four big guys winning year after year after year, or something like that. I think if you have ten, it allows for there to be a wider spectrum of of uh, filmmakers and sort of film methodology and and uh, film practices too. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so your perspective is kind of that it expands that to like more styles of directing and and stuff that's maybe not necessarily oscar bait um filmmaking so like for example uh i mean i guess the way i look at it is um 
the <clears throat> last year there was such a big uproar over the Dark Knight not being nominated, then people were really you know disappointed because that was one of the most well received films of the year. So I kind of feel like this is a response to add movies like that. I mean, you see District Nine showing up, which probably is a film that nobody would have considered you know one of the best of the year, but it was a big crowd pleaser. So it it shows up yeah. here. So I kind of see it as as opening it up to more not necessarily uh, more styles, but more. Um, popular films that aren't necessarily like you know considered in the oscar caliber or whatever yep and And go ahead matt well the last thing i wanted to add was that you know if there are um three or four huge mainstream directors that put out a film um you know there's a good chance that they will have their film nominated for best picture so if you're a young filmmaker who's really doing some great things on the forefront of filmmaking, you have to be thinking to yourself, you know, well, there's no chance I'm going to be nominated because, you know, four of these huge guys all put out movies this year. So that takes up four of the five spots. Now with 10 movies, it kind of, it kind of opens it up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like how do I compete with Scorsese when this is my first movie something like Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the market is kind of monopolized by these big name directors that year after year, I mean, not every year, but you know, every year there are huge name directors that put out big prestige films and often are the films that are nominated for the best, um, best picture and best director category. So yeah, it's an interesting year. So maybe we should, uh, just talk about the nominees right now. Uh, Oh, before we do that though, I wanted to add, uh, something else about this, them expanding this, uh, best picture to 10 yeah, uh, nominations. Um, one problem I have with it, I was listening to the head of the uh, the Academy Awards. Um, I can't remember the man's name now, but he was he was doing an interview on uh, Wait Wait Don't Tell Me, I believe, or some NPR show. Sure. And he was talking about these how they've expanded it to ten films this year. And uh, in passing, he said something like, uh, "But don't worry, we won't be including comedic films in this category." <laughs> said it was such a intonation that uh that a comedy film wouldn't have anything uh oscar worthy it sounds like he was saying that satirically because uh comedies are frequently overlooked and so even though we've expanded it to 10 films and there's still no comedy in there is almost you know tragic i I hope that's what he meant because uh there have been some comedy films that have uh, changed my life before and so i just don't want comedy to be this category that that can't teach something to the human characteristic. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's relegated to be kind of this diversionary um, endeavor comedy, but like you know, isn't that what isn't that what filmmaking is about? It's something that we can immerse ourselves in and and you know fall in love with the characters and learn something about ourselves and about our lives. I hope yeah, that's what two. movie making's about. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way I see movies. <laughs> Oh yeah, so the other thing I wanted to talk about actually with this this change to the 10 um to the best picture category expanding to 10 nominees, they've also changed the scoring system whereas in the past what they would do is the movie that got the most number 1 votes or the the highest number of so what you did before was you got your 5 nominees, you put an X next to 1 and whichever one got the most Xs would win. And this is clearly not like it doesn't win by majority in fact like uh, there's a chance that the movie could only get something like 29% of the uh, of the votes and still win. 
Because, yeah, as long as it gets more than the others. Right, it has to, it's spread, it could be spread out among all those other other um, nominees. So the way that they've done this now is <clears throat> they give you the ten nominees, and you have to rank them in order from one to ten. And if the uh, if on the odd chance there's a majority of number ones, then that movie automatically wins. If there's not a majority, they drop all of the votes that were for like a, a number 10 and they give those to the number two place and they do that on and on until there's a majority hmm. interesting yeah <laughs> it sounds pretty convoluted <laughs> it's kind of it's crazy um is it why don't pr- they just adopt an electoral college for the best picture of the year <laughs> and win based on the number of votes that each movie can drum up in certain states yeah they should divide it up according to district <laughs> yeah and then according to like political ideology they should have republican and democrat votes okay, i mean clearly there's also I mean, we haven't even got to the nominees yet but i think in some ways there are a lot of politically um controversial films in here i mean even avatar which you know, James Cameron claims is not a political film has gotten flack from from both sides really um, yeah. from the right and I mean you get into Invictus or Hurt Locker you know Inglorious Bastards there's a lot of war movies this year sure I mean the Hurt Locker is almost the least uh, <laughs> the least politically inflammatory film <laughs> in the bunch yeah um yeah, so is it? I think. Well, that's neither here nor there. I think Price Waterhouse Coopers is the firm that's doing like the counting, and then and they came up with this. Or, I mean, it's it's like a well known way to get a, an actual majority, and it's it's more favored towards majority. Um, mm. This counting system. I hope so, they yeah. don't. I mean, well, should we move on to the uh, nominations? Yeah, I think we should. Um, so we'll start with the category of best pictures, and again, there's ten. If we haven't hammered that in <laughs> hard enough, um, so yeah. there's ten this year. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's shocking. Everybody, get into your hunched positions to get comfortable to hear these ten. Um, okay, <laughs> so we uh, start with Avatar, The Blind Side, District Blind side. Nine, An Education, The Hurt Locker, Inglorious Bastards. Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire, and yes, that's the full name of the movie. A Serious Man, Up, and Up in the Air. I think that was alphabetical. <laughs> so, of those movies, how many have you guys seen? One, two, <laughs> three. This will be fun. Everybody listen to us count on air. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can see, I've seen five of these movies. I saw okay. Avatar, Hurt Locker, Glorious Bastards, A Serious Man, and Up. And uh, Up I was the only s- one I didn't see in theaters. And Matt? I have only seen two, Up in the Air and Glorious Bastards. I've heard a lot about the other eight, mm-hmm. however. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And seen a lot of movie posters and trailers. So I feel <laughs> confident in my unbiased judgment of these movies. Perfect. Yeah, Matt is going to be the unseen uh, <laughs> person in this podcast. I am your flip side, Matt. I've seen eight of these films. I've oh, seen great. Uh, Avatar, District 9, and Education, The Hurt Locker, and Glorious Bastards, A Serious Man, Up and Up in the Air, and I haven't seen Precious or The Blind Side. I know you love Sandra Bullock too, Nick. That's, <laughs> James, that surprises me. Uh, so, I mean, looking just at these nominations, there's there's clearly, I mean, a lot of people have said if you just look at the five directing nominees, which are Avatar, The Hurt Locker, and Glorious Bastards, Precious, and Up in the Air, those are the true uh, top in the running for the best picture. The other five are kind of the do- the nods that get get put in the category um, by default. Do you find? Do you think that's true? 
Um, or do you think there's yeah. a dark horse in there? Well, having not seen all these movies, <laughs> and an adamant avoider of the reading the backs of books or seeing trailers, sure. uh, I'd have to. I'm gonna take the advice. Uh, I'm gonna say that that's that's probably a, a more accurate gauge of what the five would have been had the Oscars stuck with the ranking system they did last year. Yeah, I think that's completely true. I mean, looking at that at that Sandra Bullock movie and looking at past winners, I can't even like fathom that that's in the same category. Uh, I know. I mean, I, I haven't seen it. I've like... seen the movie, right? But it looks like a Remember the Titans. Movie. I mean, yeah, it, it's exactly. It looks is identical to a film like Remember the Titans. Just, I mean, it's gotten decent reviews. I won't badmouth it because I haven't seen it. But based on the trailer, it looks. Um, like about predictable. as predictable and cliched as as you could hope for a movie about yeah. you know a white woman saving a black man's life <laughs> could be surprise yeah. surprise. Um, so maybe we should it's do our this. White according. burden, man. It's yeah. Well, the white man, the white woman's burden in this case. <laughs> the, the the millionaire actress, white woman's burden. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> based on a good story. <laughs> So maybe we should do this. Um, let's go around and do like what? What do you want to win, and then what? Uh, what do you expect to win? Um, I'll take this one first. Um, I would actually like to see either a serious man or the Hurt Locker win. And James, I know after we saw the Hurt Locker, I I wasn't really a big fan of it. But the more we talked about it, the more I realized that the reasons that I hadn't enjoyed it were the reasons that made it a very powerful movie. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but when we were leaving, I was like having to take deep breaths because the movie was so intense from start to finish. I just, my, my stomach felt cramped. I did have a huge bucket of popcorn, which probably didn't help, <laughs> but uh, my stomach felt cramped. I was breathing shallow. Like I, I wasn't relaxed. My muscles were all tensed up. And I realized that, you know that's what the movie was trying to do is draw you into this extremely uh violent um dangerous world and mm-hmm. i got completely absorbed into it and uh and i didn't i didn't like i don't want to go to war based on that movie if it's anything <laughs> if the if that movie is anything like actually defusing bombs in iraq then you can count me out yeah um as far as a serious man goes i saw that with my girlfriend and um and she hit the nail on the head when we walked out that it was a, a modern retelling of Job mm-hmm. and uh, the book of Job from the Bible. Yeah. And um, it was it was extremely complicated. And, uh, you know, we talked it over. We, we spent hours discussing this movie and trying to analyze it. And it uh, it oscillated between like serious, these terrible things happening to the main character and just, you know, Cohen brother like really dark um not not necessarily dark but just very realistic humor not mm-hmm. a humor with a punchline or slapsticky but uh there's a part where this jewish dentist finds some um some uh hebrew text on the back of a uh a <laughs> gentile's teeth spoiler alert. He, yeah, well, I won't <laughs> tell you what the text reads as but i mean this this uh <laughs> this Jewish dentist can't eat, can't sleep over it. And, uh, I mean, and then in the next scene, you know, something terrible is happening to, uh, 
to the main character. So um, I hope one of those two win, but I'm thinking something like uh, Precious or um, uh, for some reason I think Precious is going to win hmm. based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Yeah, I, I would, I mean, maybe I'll do mine now uh, just at, to continue this conversation, but I think Precious might be put out just because it's slightly too dark and too controversial of a film in general. I think I haven't seen it, but I, I have heard a lot about it. Um, and it seems like it, it's one of the more difficult movies to watch. Uh, and obviously it's, it's got a number of great performances and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't turn away from trying to depict these, these disastrous, uh, conditions that the, the main character goes through in her life. But I think it's one of those movies that is going to get prestige nod, but not, um, being the best picture, uh, running. I, th- I personally think, and it seems like a lot of the buzz kind of revolves around the two major contenders being Avatar and, um, the Hurt Locker, which is yeah, a bit shocking. Last <laughs> week at the, uh, British BAFTA awards, basically Britain's equivalent of the Oscars, that, those were the two, uh, big movies and the Hurt Locker actually won the BAFTA for best director and best picture. Yeah. So. Yeah, and Catherine Bigelow has won, won uh, best director at the at the uh, I don't know what the awards <laughs> ceremony was. The Emmys maybe Globes. <laughs> <laughs> Grammys Tom is it Grammys? <laughs> Tony. She won a Tony for it. Yeah. <laughs> she egotted with one movie. Perfect. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I mean, between those two movies, I'm actually kind of shocked that Avatar is nominated, but I can see why. Uh, I mean, it it does kind of mark. Have you seen it, Dane? Have you seen Avatar? Yeah, um, after it broke the box office record, I decided (laughs) I couldn't avoid it any longer. I I had to go see it. I mean, it's amazing. James Cameron's last two films are the two top grossing films of all time. It's just amazing that like he has those both in his pocket, and (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I think Avatar it does kind of mark. Don't forget Terminator, which is great. I actually love Terminator. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Skynet, scary. Um... (laughs) So yeah, I mean, Avatar it's you know it's revolutionary in terms of its cinematic effects. Um, it has an awful story, awful, awful screenwriting. It's predictable <laughs> from every turn. Um, the acting's nothing really to speak that highly of, but like, I definitely found myself swept up at, in some scenes. And I mean, it's, yeah. it, it, there's a, I think, kind of a, a philosophical question here about what the Oscars really stand for, and are they, are they interested in promoting films that do something to kind of change the movement of cinema itself, or do they reward films? that tell a really engrossing story in a in a memorable way and you know in a deeply felt way um yeah. so i mean i think there's a constant pull between those two those two um opposites so i think the, sorry go ahead is the academy um i mean it's it's associated with the film industry is it a beneficiary of any of the film industry uh are you talking about in terms of like um like swag or and like gifts and stuff that they they send out to like promote. No, films no. Um, the Academy Awards is that an objective look at 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 films from the previous year? Uh, I mean, I think it depends on what your definition of. Or is that made objective. up? I mean, I mean, is the are the voters made up of of objective uh, votes? Well, they so they hand out 
I think you know a few several thousand votes actually there there are a lot of academy members and they're I think mostly primarily comprised of people who work in the industry so actors directors producers and so forth so I mean in a way it's just it's the the academy is your academy of your peers the people that in your in, in your industry that work with you they know what goes into making a movie. I mean, um, there's, there's also you can contest that. You know, <laughs> who's to say that as a collective they have a deep insight on movies? But who's to say they don't either? So. Yeah, well, I remember seeing Dennis Leary on the Daily Show a couple years ago, and John Stewart brought up that he was a member of the Academy, and uh, Dennis Leary said that his voting always came down to I vote for movies. Either I'm in or my friends are in. I vote for movies with, with where uh, someone is nominated who my friends are having sex with. Then I nominate for people that I would like to have sex with. And then after that, it's just a free-for-all. So, I mean, he was joking, but, you know, there is subjectivity when it comes into whoever is voting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you kind of hope people take a little more, sort, more seriously than that. And clearly he was joking, but, like, also yeah. there's a kernel of truth to that and that, like you know there's i don't even know how many categories there are but there's a couple dozen categories and <laughs> most likely you haven't seen all the films even though they they typically send out screeners to all the members mm-hmm. which must just cost a fortune in and of itself <laughs> <laughs> all right so i'll just get back to my so i think that avatar is going to win i think it's going to take it mm. um i think the academy has a history of rewarding these big budget um you know I, I don't know <laughs> films like Avatar, like I could, Titanic in, one. In the, yeah, in the past, I can think of Titanic. I can think of Gladiator. Um, like even No Country for Old Men is a block best, blockbuster when it's compared to There Will Be Blood, which I think is the better movie. Um, so I think Hollywood would swing that way. But my my favorite of these ten, and the one I think should win, is The Hurt Locker. Um, I'll basically just echo your thoughts, Dane. It was like an incredibly intense film incredibly well directed uh and i mean there's there's not much more to say about it than you should go out and see it as soon yeah. as i finish this sentence oh no, nick <laughs> keep him around for the rest of the show oh yeah man. wait wait i mean it after the <laughs> podcast is over <laughs> what, are, what are your feelings matt i agree with james that um avatar i think will win i would like to see the uh, movie precious win Again, knowing that I haven't seen neither of those films, <laughs> <laughs> you just like that that uh, trailer with Monique in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think um, not just the Academy Awards, but I think almost all of the award shows in general are becoming less forward-looking and less progressive in their uh, voting. Mm-hmm. So I think, with that in mind, I think um, Avatar will win i don't think i think it's progressive in the sense of um the techniques that were used but i don't think it was progressive on any other front mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, i think precious is um the movie that should win because uh, for the reasons that james you said it probably won't win yeah and that it's 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 a bit too dark i i would imagine again i haven't seen it and it's it's a bit too controversial the topics are are still um, uh, just very taboo. It's not something that is going to be rewarded with with the best picture. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I mean, it could be a dark horse, horse and uh, <laughs> surprise us all. Uh, I mean, is there any chance that the blind side could win? Does anybody think that that has a chance? Yeah, it has a chance, man. I wouldn't put anything past, <laughs> past it, you know. I, if I say there's no chance it's going to win, then, you know, I'm going to be shocked come March 7th and just <laughs> put, put my very illustrious <laughs> podcasting no, Dane, you need to make a commitment. You need to put your foot down in this podcast and say, this movie will win, and these movies have no chance of winning. No matter what happens, uh, I don't care. I stake my radio broadcasting reputation on it. You are illustrious radio broadcasting reputation. Yeah, I mean, it's um, almost like, just, just to stay in this category for, for a minute, I mean, it's, there's this constant um, push and pull between these these styles of movies um and i, I kind of think in a struggle to remain relevant in in an industry where we're increasingly being being fragmented i mean there's there's more and more uh media to consume on the internet on television um and in different forms i, I movies are, you know you see it in in um in journalism i mean film critics are losing their jobs left and right it's something that in an, in an, another industry that's struggling hard is jettisoning all of their their film critics because they're the least important or you know they consider them some of the least important um staff members so in this in this effort to kind of keep relevant i think that they're going to increasingly push towards these uh these style of action movies like like avatar maybe not maybe not just action movies but but big blockbuster crowd pleaser movies which is i think harken back to why they expanded this to this 10 10 films i mean district 9 like i mentioned would probably have no chance in any other year but it was pretty well received among audiences and critics alike yeah i think yeah. that i mean that makes that makes complete sense to me it's it's the same path as um as a tv has taken like you know in the 50s you look back and how many stations were there? How many shows were there? Versus now, how many stations and shows are there on TV now? It's just that uh, because you've sort of democratized the ability to to make movies and to finance movies and produce movies, there's just a lot more m- movies and media to consume, like you said, James. Right. It's an interesting point, man, to the uh, television of the 50s. Well, on that note... From television uh, <laughs> fragmentation to uh, fragmentation of two categories for screenplay, we'll move into. <laughs> that was smooth. That was a bit of a strange. I, I didn't know you were headed anywhere with that. You pulled it out. Well <laughs> I'll try to do obscure segues into each category <laughs> as we go further along, um, but I think we'll move into the screenplay for best original screenplay and best um, adapted. We'll start with original. Uh, and the nominees in this category are The Hurt Locker, Inglorious Bastards, The Messenger, A Serious Man, and Up. Matthew, our uh, trailer park extraordinaire, would you like to um, to take this one first? <laughs> trailer park. Shh, don't hurt that park part there. Trailer man extraordinaire. Um, I've only seen one of those films, and it was Up in the Air. Oh, up, it's just Up, not Up in the Air. Yeah, up in the air wasn't not up in the air is on. Oh, top. sorry. Then I've seen none of them. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Perfect. That's why um, I call you Trailer Park. You should have you should have a Zen like approach to this category. Then <laughs> no one will. They win. are all winners. <laughs> they are done winners. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Everyone and no one will win. <laughs> well, right. throw a dart, Matt. 
Um, why don't you guys discuss, and then I will form the final objective opinion on, on this. <laughs> Jump in on that one. Well, I'll, I'll start. To me, I haven't seen The Messenger, but I've seen the rest. It, to me, it's down between Inglorious Pastors and A Serious Man. Um, I, I mean, I think Serious Man is really involved and and complicated script that I think would reward on on both multiple viewings and discussion with people who have seen the film. Uh, yeah, I thought it was just a, a really interesting examination of Jewish life, and then also just the story of uh, this series of calamities happening happening to um, this you know interesting st- man. <laughs> I'm not forming my thoughts man. very well, but uh, I'll move on to Inglorious Bastards, which I think was actually one of my favorite films of the year, um, but is probably o- overlooked because it's a little pulpy, but. I think walking out of the movie, I was like, I was more pumped on adrenaline than I've been walking out of any other movie this year, and I think Tarantino did just an amazing job. Uh, and I know, man, Tarantino can just make an enjoyable film. Yeah, like, they may. I mean, Kill Bill was just. Oh, I I could watch that movie over and over again. It's just so enthralling, and he he absolutely knows what he's doing when he when he makes a movie. Um. Sorry to steal your thunder a little bit, James, but I I hope Inglorious Bastards wins Best Original Screenplay too because it's a uh, you know it's an interesting subject you know World War II and it's taken through if if like Tarantino was writing a comic book about World War II taking history and basically just making it his own. Um, I thought it was a gr- it was a great movie and you and you're right, James. I left the uh, theater just felt like I had a fun time for the past two hours and I was hyped up and quoting uh, Hans Landa for the rest of the night. Was, <laughs> yeah, he'll come back in this discussion. I mean, he's been nominated for leading actor. Um, it's Christoph Waltz who was nominated. Anyway, so Dana, who do you think, uh, who, who do you think will win? Uh, obviously your choice is in Glorious Bastard. Um, for original screenplay, I think probably Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, do, I can't I decide. I think it's between that and The Serious Man, but I think Inglorious Bastards probably has the edge. I hope so. If there's one category that that deserves to win, I, I think it would be the uh, I, IB. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I did right. see that movie, actually, and, and I would be... Um completely happy if, if that uh, won for this category because like both of you guys were saying um, it's a great fun action movie and unlike other action movies it's not held back by the screenplay it's not it's not um, a dialogue trying to keep up with the action it was pretty on par with that. <laughs> yeah that's absolutely true I mean some of the scenes are incredibly slow in fact and the build tension particularly the first scene uh, in the farmhouse in France, it's just continually building tension t- towards the climax of the scene. There's a number of scenes that do that that I think work really well. He pulls off so well. as It's one of the most engaging films I've seen in a while. Yeah, I mean, there was the farmhouse scene where the tension is released at the end. Then there's a scene in a restaurant when it's not. And then that just makes it even more tense at the end, whether the climax will be fully achieved or, or <laughs> fail. Uh, 
familiarity with that in my own life. <laughs> All too, too, too sexual? Too, too, no? I didn't even realize that you guys were laughing at for a minute. I was like... Some we're on just trying to stifle it for a minute there. This, <laughs> this is a very dignified podcast, Dan. <laughs> Don't we always get explicit ratings on these? Like, I always, sure. I always post it as explicit just to cover all of our fucking bases. <laughs> Hell yeah, you <laughs> bastard! Uh, okay, well, I think we've beaten that fish to death. So let's move into adapted screenplay, and the nominees in this category are District Nine and Education in the Loop. Uh, Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. I'm going to repeat that every time. Up in the Air, and that's it. Matt, had you seen Up in the Air? Was that one of the ones you saw? That was one that I have seen, yes. Uh, do you want to talk about that at all? Because I haven't seen any of these. Matt, you are the person in my life I most closely associate with George Clooney. Just as I said. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, go uh, ahead talk, talk about Up in the Air. I think... I'm trying to think of what exactly I thought of of the screenplay. I thought, um, you know, not knowing exactly what it was adapted from or hearing about where it was adapted from before the movie, um, it's hard to uh, for me to make that judgment on on the quality of the adaptation. Yeah, I didn't know it was adapted until I got this Oscar ballot. Yeah, it's adapted from a book. Um, I heard a couple interviews with Jason Reitman, who directed it. And he just talked about uh, like really connecting. He he apparently also ca- uh, collects air miles, which George Clooney, the main character, does in the film for some abstract reason. I mean, he's trying to hit a, a goal of ten million, which just gets you in this incredibly exclusive club of which there are only six members. But so that he, Jason Reitman, was talking just about how like he he really that that character spoke to him and that idea of just like collecting something that has actually no tangible meaning to your actual life. Mm-hmm. I think certainly it, it, it has um, just a ton of relevance now, not just from the obvious uh, connections with, with um, his job being to fly around and fire people essentially in a downturned economy. But like you were just saying, James, the collection of miles that really doesn't mean anything. I mean, that's kind of the last 15, 20 years of American culture is accumulating things for no other reason than to accumulate them. Yeah, absolutely. And and just part of like um, joining these exclusive clubs that provide, you know, no fulfillment in our actual lives. And then that in a sense alienate us from the true, uh, the true things in life that, that matter. I mean, you see, I mean, they kind of, show how his lifestyle has purely alienated him from his sister and from his family in general. Yeah, and not to use um, an up-in-the-air metaphor, well, <laughs> to use it explicitly, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like he he reaches the 10 million miles, but, you know, he was asleep on the plane for the whole time. That's kind of um, the story of the movie a little bit, and I think that's just incredibly relevant now. And I think it's a great way to show uh, that relevance on screen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so the question is like, yes, it has, has a lot of resonant themes. Does it uh, have an, have a screenplay that, that keeps the um, momentum going to communicate those themes? And that is I would an answer say... for you. <laughs> 
I would say uh, for me, it started off with that and it gained momentum. And then it, um, you know, I think as uh, Mozart, I think, said um, about bad uh, operas, the movie ended much after uh, the dialogue was over. Mm-hmm. So I think it was, it went on a little long. It, had all this great momentum that unfortunately came to an end about three quarters of the way through the movie. Yeah. And then it just kind of peters to a stop. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. My only comment about up in the air, since we're focusing on it a bit is, um, I, one th- element of it that I found the most evocative. I don't know if you've seen the stain up in the I air. Have not. One of the things they do is they bring on uh, a lot of people who have recently lost their job. Like, Jason Reitman and his crew flew around the country interviewing people who had recently been fired or laid off and asked like them, Jason how... Bateman <clears throat> no real people he flew around oh. the country asking people like how they felt after they had lost their job um, and they and interviewed them on camera and used that footage in the film I've heard a lot of people say that they didn't actually like that I found that kind of one of the more convincing parts of it and that's that's the part that wasn't written so hmm. Do you hope it wins, Matt? Um, yes, for no other reason than the fact that <laughs> James thinks I'm like George Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> Although I would kind of like to see District 9 win. I haven't seen it, but I've heard enough about it to make me believe that it could win. Yeah. there's some Or weird... that I would like it to win, at least. There's some weirdness there, because... The adaptation, it, it, he he directed like a nine-minute short film um, called crap. I can't think of it. Oh, it's something in Joe Joburg, alive in Joburg, because it takes place in Johannesburg in South Africa. And he did this short film, and then he made it into a longer film. So he adapted his own work in a way, but it's not really an adaptation. It's kind of weird that it was put in, in the adapted screenplay. It's like when the Coen brothers made There Will Be or, uh, Blood Simple. They shot the preview first and then got some money together to turn into a full-length film. It doesn't seem like an adaptation. Yeah. It seems like a, a working title <laughs> to to a longer piece. Right. I mean, in a way, he did release it as its own um, self-contained piece of art. So it was not not like a trailer where it was promoting something but it was like an actual film that he then was able to raise capital to make into a, a real um, but, you know full feature and the academy awarded nominated film at no less indeed and it's in the best picture as <laughs> <laughs> i've probably mentioned a couple of times <laughs> just in case you guys hadn't been listening or fell asleep the last half hour so. um uh so I'll just say I think uh, movies. So I'm going to say Precious. What's that? Uh, I'm uh, starting to become a school teacher, <laughs> and uh, the book bu- the book Push has been recommended to by Sapphire has been recommended to many uh, adolescent students. A lot of my uh, fellow teachers in my cohort have been reading it, and um, they seem to enjoy it. So I'm pulling for Push again. Cool. Have you read it in or seen the movie? I have not seen the movie, nor have I read the book, so I will be filling in for Matt Mayhus in the screenplay, best adapted screenplay category. Yeah. I mean, I think these are all good contenders. One movie we haven't talked about, um, I'm probably the only one who's seen it, is In the Loop, which is 
directed by um, Armando Iannucci, and it was uh, adapted from this miniseries that he did. It's a British miniseries about these uh, governmental bodies that are kind of responsible for spinning the language uh, that gets that comes out in like political discussions into reasons for entering the Iraq war. And it's a comedy and it is the funniest movie I've seen all year easily. (laughs) It is so, it is so good. I highly recommend everyone rent it and see it. It's so funny. It's profane and hilarious and biting and (laughs) satirical and, and like, it's really great. So that's that's a dark horse that I I would like to see win, but I don't think will. I think up in the air probably win. Interesting. All right, everybody love that. Well, James, you want to uh, work on a segue into this next Considering one? Considering I'm directing this conversation, I think that we should maybe move into best director. Which I just <laughs> came up with an idea for a coffee cup for myself. <laughs> Switch. <laughs> Why don't you give us the category, the nominations? Category, yeah, the nominations are uh, Avatar. Oh wait, so this is weird. So they, the way they've listed this is they've put down the movie instead of the director. So I'll say the movie and the director. So it's Avatar, directed by James Cameron. The Hurt Locker, directed by Catherine Bigelow. Inglorious Bastards, directed by Quentin Tarantino. Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Push by Sapphire, by yes, we know. Lee Daniels, and Up in the Air, directed by Mr. Jason Reitman. So, Dane, I will push this into your lap, squarely into your lap. Who do you think is going to win? Who do you think should win? Um, well, I mean, I, I got to marvel at, at James Cameron, having those two huge money-making movies under his belt. Um but I, I think the best director movie was the uh, the Hurt Locker mm-hmm. again. Um, I mean, there were moments when the action was moving really quickly, and then um, this is a, just a tiny spoiler alert. It takes place within the first five to ten minutes of the movie when a bomb will go off. The uh, Catherine Bigelow will have like a shot of just dust on like a car frame. Yeah, and like and super slow mo. Yeah, super incredibly slow motion. And it's this, you know, a bomb going off is, you know, something you think of happening fast, you know, bam, just immediate. And she somehow makes this one moment, well, not somehow, she makes this one moment much more significant by slowing it down so much. And, uh, and there's a scene when a, when a, gun is going off too it's a sniper rifle so you know each bullet is you have to conserve and the shells popping up in extremely slow motion and bouncing and um i thought she did a great job of juxtaposing the uh the the quickness of war how uh how how speedy uh war is how um just how quickly it moves next to how intense each moment must feel that sort of feeling uh when you have your adrenaline going of time slowing down and and things coming into clarity and having that tunnel vision Mm -hmm. i thought she did a great job of uh of exemplifying that of uh bringing it to life on the screen so yeah i mean that's a good point most of the movie takes place from the point of view of this uh squad squadron that's tasked with disarming um, improvised explosive devices that the Iraqis have set up all over the villages that the, that they're going through. And so 
their job is basically kind of slowly petering around the war and then until fi- they find these areas where there are unexploded bombs and then they have to do the most intense work the most dangerous work of their lives like every every single time they're putting their lives in, in deep jeopardy yeah just thinking about that movie my uh, my heart's going again yeah i think the academy will go there because partly i think Catherine Bigelow deserves it i think the academy has recognized that there hasn't ever been a or maybe there has but she's one of the only uh female directors to be in this category in a long time potentially the only one who's ever won one um won an oscar for best director and I think since Avatar is probably going to go Best Picture, I think the Hurt Locker will go to directing. Matthew? That's, that's what I'd like to say, too. I mean, just from hearing you guys discuss it, I think um, that's something that I would be completely on board with. I certainly do not want to see Avatar win Best Director. I don't. I I haven't seen it, but I can't imagine how much direction was in there outside of, of the effects. I think if you removed every every piece of sort of technological effect and enhancement and then judge the direction based on that, I don't think it would even come close to some of these other films. Mm-hmm. Because to me personally, the fact that you can spend half a billion dollars on 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 visual enhancements, whether it's through graphics or whatever sort of makeup or design, that to me is not necessarily direction. Yeah. Um, were you guys just a trivia bit here were you aware that james cameron and Catherine bigelow were married at one time <laughs> i was not that's interesting Just, yeah who was married to who Catherine bigelow who directed the hurt locker was married yeah. to james cameron uh-huh. and her being a leading role in his life how about we move on to best leading actress oh man Boom. you're killing it <laughs> thank you thank you thanks for the support I'm here all night. Um, <laughs> okay, unless anybody had anything else they wanted to say about directing. No, I was just uh, researching the uh, Best Director Oscar list, and I'm up to the 80s, and I haven't found a woman winner yet. I thought maybe the woman who directed American Psycho may have won, but I don't see her name. Yeah, looks like no women have ever won the Best Directing role. Yeah, there have been a number of articles recently, and um, Manola Dargis has been really outspoken about the uh, unequal representation of women in in Hollywood, basically, and just how like incredible it is that. I mean, there there was an article, I think Time maybe released the the best top ten or top twenty directors of like the last hundred years or something, basically all of cinema's history essentially. But uh, there were there were like there was one or two women or maybe just one and there were no or there were very few um foreign uh directors on it as well it was like all american directors we do like to think our movies are the best (laughs) it's true yeah so she did this explosive interview in um jezebel which is a blog and she's a she's a uh, critic for the New York Times, and she was talking in this blog and just like spouting off and swearing. <laughs> it was like this really <laughs> candid discussion with, with showing her frustration with the state of um, women's representation in Hollywood. So I think the Academy will take notice of that trend. <laughs> that would that would be nice to see some uh, diversity in there. True. We have a black president now. 
<laughs> Leading the nation. Exactly. Uh, okay, so we'll hit leading actress. Um, the nominees in this category category are Sandra Bullock in The Blind Side, Helen Mirren in The Last Station, Carrie Mulligan in An Education, uh, Gabare Sidibe in Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. By Sapphire, yes. Meryl Streep in Julie and Julia, and that's it. So, has anyone here seen In Education? Yes. I, I haven't even heard of this movie. I have what seen it. That one? I haven't either, yeah. Nick Hornby wrote it, and it's oh, really, yeah. really, really good. It's set in 60s suburban London, um, and it follows the story of... Uh, I forget the woman's name, but she's she's actually like a, now a famous um, person in Britain. Uh, and it follows like her early education life. She's like 16, and she meets this older guy, played by uh, Peter Sarsgaard, who's really great in it. And he takes her away on this um, life that she's never really experienced before. That's kind of outside the boredom of her traditional schooled life, where her dad wants her to go to Oxford um, and you know be highly educated and be a be involved in society. And she kind of wants to run off with these people who are more artists and and interesting um so it follows what she learns about <laughs> what life can be and you know she goes through some hard knocks and carrie mulligan is great she's do you think she gave enough a pro- a good enough a por- performance to win leading actress uh i do but then again i don't think she's going to win and i don't you know actually she is my favorite of this group too and I, but I say that's not having seen Precious or The Blind Side. Uh, so, which of the three do you think will win? I think it's a shoe win for Sandra Bullock. I have oh, no doubt in my mind that she's going to win. <laughs> Sandra Bullock, man, come on, Matt. As the as the resident uh, controversialist in this group, I would I would assume that you might be in the corner for uh, The Blind Side, but I guess I'm wrong. I think my thought on that is if she couldn't win for Miss Congeniality, she's not going to win for anything else. <laughs> she's got a lot of support behind her for this one, I think. I just don't think that that a role in that type of movie, and this is a completely judgmental statement, could win an award for best anything. <laughs> Well, I mean, James and I have had this debate in the past, Matt. I know you've been in on it before too. It, can you separate the the artist from the work? And I use in this case, can you separate the actress from the work? Um, does every director or actress or actor bring in all their past experience when they step into the role, or when they start the role, do you just take it from the very first minute? That's baseline. From there, it goes. I think to win in um, an award for for acting, it requires there to be some uh, parallelism between the actor and what he or she is is doing and saying. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I. I mean, to me, like you could read, you know, a script. Like you could be Meryl Streep and read a transcript from the Jersey Shore. And I don't think that would be like uh, an Oscar-winning performance <laughs> because Meryl Streep. I think it has to involve something on both ends. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned Meryl Streep because I think she's a force that elevates Julie and Julia. I mean, I don't think Julie and Julia would get any recognition without Meryl Streep's presence in the film. 
Mm-hmm. What's that Simpsons joke where they buy the Meryl Streep cologne in the Oscar bottle? Uh, it's like versatility or something <laughs> is the name of the cologne uh-huh. or the perfume. She, uh, she, whatever she steps into, she, she definitely looked like a uh, Julia Stiles man. Yeah. I mean, I've only seen a couple clips of uh, that famous <laughs> chef, but I think she did a great job. Or not Julia Stiles, Julia Child. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even catch that. I'm just going right <laughs> along you. with you down, down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yep, yep, you're right. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I'm sure she could play Julia Stiles better than Julia Stiles, though. <laughs> Yeah, just to refer back to this the Sandra Bullock argument. I mean, I think one of the biggest problems I see with that with that perform. I mean, I, I hesitate to say that. I'm going to get you a lot of flack for saying you know because I haven't seen it, but she's the primary force behind the ad for that film, and she is like, I think she is exemplative of exactly why I am not interested in seeing the movie because she, she just seems like she's overplaying it in every scene they show. Yeah, there's no subtle nuance. It seems like in the trailers to any of the scenes that she is in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like the relationship that she has with the kid looks like it's completely out. It's completely worn on her on her sleeve. You know that there's no underlying sort of nuanced relationship. It's like everything is out in the open. Right, everything is black and white, so to speak. Own a room. No, a house. Oh, he's homeless. He's only like 16. Yeah, I think the line is that he's never had a bed before, but the comment still stands. Yeah, still a little cliched. Uh, Well, playing roles that we are all doing on this podcast, how about we move into the leading actor category? Let me give this over to someone else since I've been reading all the nominees. Dane or Matt, do you want to read it? Um, I'll do it as the co-host, Matt, if you don't mind. Nope. Um, all right. Leading into the best actor category, um, Jeff Bridges is nominated for his role in Crazy Heart, George Clooney, Up in the Air, uh, Colin Firth in A Single Man, Morgan Freeman for his role as Nelson Mandela in Invictus, and Jeremy Renner for The Hurt Locker. Did I say that right, Renner? Yep, Renner. Um, so I, I think again, like, I know I hated this movie coming out of it. Well, not hated it, but I mean, Jeremy Renner and the Hurt Locker, the more I talked about it, the more he just seemed to be in his, in his character. He made this own persona for himself as this, uh, fearless bomb diffuser. And I thought he, he played it in a great job just mm-hmm. so cool under any stressful situation never lost his head it was uh except when he was later on in the movie in a non-war situation it's the only time he ever seems flustered or right. not in control so I, I hope it i hope it goes to uh to mr rayner and who do you think is likely uh I'm I'm gonna say Rainer, man. I mean, uh, the Hurt Locker has has been getting. I mean, it's got plenty of nominations. I think, you know, if they give them Best Actor and Best Director, then you know they can the Academy can sleep easier at night. Given the Blind Side, the Best Picture of 2010, or <laughs> you know, Avatar, <laughs> Best Picture not. God, if the Blind Side wins. 
I will not only eat my hat, I will eat the hat of everyone in the room around me. <laughs> You're alone, aren't you, James? <laughs> All right. Well, you can at least dress your hat with some egg, too, I guess. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, what I meant is the hat of everyone in, that I'm watching the Oscars with when it happens. <laughs> I will eat all hats in the room. <laughs> you have my word on that. Hey, when you have your Oscar party, make sure you put down something like hats mandatory or silly hat party or something. All right, Matt, what what do you think about the leading actor category? You know, I'm kind of pulling for um, a runner in the Hurt Locker, too, even though I haven't seen it. Um, I think just from hearing the descriptions that you guys have given so far on the podcast here... Uh, the scenes are set up in a way that really lend themselves to be um, uh, the scenes are, are seem to be set up in a way that allows the actor to really run with the emotions that he or she is experiencing in that scene kind of in the present mm-hmm. versus it being incredibly um, scripted out and maybe that's 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 incorrect but it seems like that's that's what's taking place and so I think I'm pulling for him too yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it is, I mean, having not seen it, that that's a pretty good assessment in that it is just kind of a role that breathes and and allows him to naturally kind of progress through the film as this adrenaline junkie and the guy that's, that's really wrapped up in what he does. So I think uh, yeah, Jeremy Renner is probably one of my tops. Colin Firth in A Single Man was really, really good. Um, I mean, it's all just in his face. It's a very, it's a super subtle perform performance. Quite the opposite of Sandra Bullock, at least in the preview for <laughs> the Blind Side. Uh, but I think Jeff Bridges is going to win. I've seen a lot of publicity for that movie, but uh, I, I have not seen Crazy Heart. I haven't either, but yeah, I mean the the weight seems to be shifting towards him, and it's partly because he's this really well regarded. Uh, actor that's never been recognized um, for an Oscar. I actually think he's going to win now that 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 I heard you say that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I persuaded well, you. <laughs> that's all. That's it just, just... <laughs> that's just like your opinion, man. Yeah. man <laughs> I'm not. You're but... you're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. <laughs> So that's what you call me better his dudeness or El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing <laughs> he should have won for that movie oh, that was God. a great performance Definitely. his oh, trailer though I've, it, it, like every scene that I've seen him in in the trailers he, he has the kind of performance where he'll say like three words and it'll be like the most profound thing you've ever heard <laughs> yes sort of like you know um uh, someone said that they'd rather hear B.B. King play one note than hear Eddie Van Halen play 100 notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all these great young actors who can, you know, spout their roles and run their mouths, but I would rather hear this guy, you know, in his sort of gruff, crazy, you know, voice yeah. say three or four words. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good analogy, man. I like that. <laughs> I, think, I think he's a master of the art. Um one with many animated performances. And with that, I think we should possibly move into the best animated feature category. <laughs> oh! <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to have to edit out these laughs. They're too bad. <laughs> At least cut them down a little. <laughs> okay. Um, Matt, how about you read the uh, nominees in this category? 
I couldn't pull up the. You have the failed. <laughs> I know. You've just been like writing down fervently like, <laughs> all the all the nominations. Yeah, like how do you remember them as we're talking about? I I don't know. I can just <laughs> in my head. Mine like a steel tip. Okay, I'll just read them. Um, so reading alphabetically, Coraline, Fantastic Mr. Fox. The Princess and the Frog, The Secret of Kells, a movie that nobody's heard of, and Up. <laughs> My personal opinion, I I would like uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox to win. Boom. Me too. Um, you know, Me too. It's, it's puppets. Like <laughs> I love puppets. You could do all sorts of crazy shit with, with 3D movies and CGIs, but when it comes down to it, a uh, Jim Hansen Yoda is much cooler than a Lucas Studios Yoda. It's just, uh, I don't know, it it looks more real. More real than any computer-generated image ever could. And neither Yoda is nearly as cool as Mr. Fox. <laughs> oh, you're treading, you're treading some ground there, pal. I know, I might receive some angry emails. <laughs> Uh, our our email box me. just floods with emails from fans. There are there are <laughs> rabid fans for this show. People clamor just, for James, I've had to tell you, I've just been posting anonymously. Oh, I mean... Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Fatbutt36 is you? <laughs> As is Clamps. <laughs> Clampy Clamps. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd have to go with Fantastic Mr. Fox as well. Just, I think it Wes Anderson did a really good job of, I mean, all, all the criticism that's levied at him for his other films being detached and kind of stoic, uh, I think worked in the best possible way they could, having been channeled through this immaculately, delicately pieced together um, stop motion animated film with with puppets that he designed. And the, and the amount of detail that they put in, I mean, like, I was reading that in their, they live in this tree and, and like, they, they sit down to have breakfast or whatever and they have these this tableware that they carved out of um antelope horns or like horns like deer horns that they had so like just the amount of detail that they that they put into it is incredible and and the commitment of the actors i think is really good too so i think that should win and uh i don't know i think it will win hey matt have you seen uh mr fox no no. Did you see any of those animated features? No. The okay. uh, Mr. Fox was was the one that I've heard uh, the most about, and everything that I've heard has made me want to go see it. I, I have not seen it though. Actually, I take that back. Up, we'll probably win. Well, yeah, I would like Mr. Fantastic Mr. Fox to win, but um, Pixar has a way of. I mean, Up was great too. I just preferred Fantastic Mr. Fox over. Mm-hmm. Did anybody see Coraline? Nope. I did not. You guys should check that one out. It's really good. Henry and Selick. I know, James, we uh, talked about graphic novels in an earlier show, so maybe I should read that one and uh, check out the movie as well. Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting mixture of uh, CG and stop-motion animation. The same guy who did uh, Nightmare Before Christmas did this film, and he's only That's done two films. And it just takes like this painstaking process, and I think it looks really beautiful. Cool. I didn't know that one was stop stop animation. Either. It's like a, a mixture. 
so that that movie the secret of kells apparently um was like released in three screens in new york or something and then they <laughs> sent a screener out to every academy member just so it, it could qualify for best animated feature whoa that is that is bizarre which is why it's... nobody has seen it and nobody's even really heard of it i don't even know what it's about well, well i guess i should have done my research since i'm podcasting on it Hey, we're podcasting on a lot of topics here, pal. <laughs> That's true. Secret of Kells, like, so who's going back to your original question, Matt, of like who decides, you know, which movies win? Who decides who gets nominated? I mean, do the Academy members also get to decide that? Because if so, like, who made the call on the Secret of Kells movie? Yeah, I think the Academy does decide on the nominees. And then send out the screeners to all the members who maybe didn't live in New York? No, I mean, the, they send the screeners to the Academy members, and then the Academy members vote on their top favorite mm-hmm. ones, and then they, they take the top five. But that doesn't make sense, because that means every Academy member would have to see every single movie that comes out right, every year. which is, un, you know, you can't expect that to happen, but that's, that is sort of what they're expecting. <laughs> but, I mean, they're not... They send out the screeners, and you watch it, and you vote for your favorite one, which doesn't mean you have to have seen the one that everyone else voted for. Yes, that's true. So it must have done pretty well if uh, enough Academy members decided to put it up there, but no one in the public had seen it. Yeah, I mean, my guess is there was a hole in that category, and they they noticed it and decided to put that out and send it out <laughs> to, to everyone. To plug it, if you will. People were like, well, I need to vote for five, and I've only seen... <laughs> Three. <laughs> I've seen up like six times though. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, up. Did it, so you saw up, Dan? Did you see up, Matt? Nope. Yeah, Laura and I rented it. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, I think Wally was better, but up was still a great story. Yeah, I agree. Pixar really knows what it's doing. Well, are there any uh, last categories that anybody didn't get their um, comments in about? Well, I just want to throw in visual effects only as three, Avatar, District 9, and Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that is one category where I am pulling for Avatar. (laughs) That was the only thing that made that movie enjoyable. It's a pretty sick scene. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you a hundred to one odds, <laughs> and I'll still pick Avatar. <laughs> Not the blind side. <laughs> Not nominated. No, actually, that that giant uh, teenage boy in that movie wasn't real. Completely computer graphics. He was like purely, a purely It was the same the the same makeup that that they did in uh, that Spike Jones movie was used for. Uh, that large boy. Um, yeah, I'm drawing a blank on this one. Big Mama. <laughs> Big Mama's house. <laughs> you talking about Norbit, Matt? Norbit? What? Are you talking about Norbit? Norbit? Is that Spike no, Lee? <laughs> no. Spike, Norbit, Spike remember? Jones. Oh, Spike Jones. Spike Jones. What? His movie that came out like three months ago, what was that called? Oh, uh... <laughs> Where the wild things are. Yes, thank uh, you. Okay. <laughs> yes, wow. I saw that. Yikes. Yeah, that's surprising. That didn't get any nods. Yeah, and uh, especially how um, 
how much I enjoyed that movie. If I were in the academy, I would have been lobbying for that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to make one comment about the supporting actor category. Um, I think Christoph Waltz is a dead shoe in He's for, yeah, Inglorious yeah. Bastards. For Inglorious Bastards, yeah, he plays Hans Landa, the Jew hunter, as they um, name him. I think he, he won did. that award in the Golden Globes, didn't he too? Uh, I mean, I can't say with any certainty, but probably. Yeah, that guy definitely <laughs> stole the show. I mean, Brad Pitt was the bigger name, but he definitely was the more enjoyable character. Au revoir, Shoshana. <laughs> you should end the show with that one. That'll be a good one. Find Just... that clip on the YouTube. Sure. All right, guys. Well, maybe we should wrap this up and uh, just say the Oscars are going to air um, next Sunday, I think. Yeah, March 7th. Um, on ABC. Sunday, Sunday. Sunday coming up, yeah. yeah. 8 o'clock, 5 uh, Central on ABC. Well, nope. Yeah, nobody knows when we're recording this show, so let's just say on March 7th. Yeah, sure. March 7th. <laughs> Is it, do we all agree? March 7th? <laughs> <laughs> all right guys uh thank you both for joining me uh it's particularly great having you matt since we haven't been able to talk to you yet on the show i hope you uh your experience will cause you to want to come back thank you matt it, it certainly will thank you guys for having me on great and thanks dane for joining me on this podcast um, anytime my friend anytime you're listening to culture pulse and uh thank you for being one of our 40 subscribers <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, thanks again for listening to this episode of Culture Pulse. If you'd like to share any of your Oscar predictions or any thoughts about today's episode, email us at culturepulse at gmail.com. And if you'd like to read about today's episode, you can always visit our blog at culturepulsepodcast.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening. I hope you join us on the next episode of Culture Pulse.